Well, welcome to Tether, where we have conversations about Christ, culture, and community and how they connect. We're bringing you stories and relevant content to help you live out your faith every day and everywhere. I'm Bill Falk, one of your hosts, here as well with Danielle and Sunshine. And today we have a friend and guest with us, Doug Tigtig, a local real estate agent, former chaplain for the Houston Dynamos. And if you have ever been in a situation where you're contemplating a life transition, maybe you're all right now, or maybe you know somebody that is considering a life transition, you will want to listen in on today's show as we talk about that, including how to embrace and use the platform that God has given you and much, much more. Be sure to stay tuned to the end of the show as well as Doug is going to share with us some helpful tips about the housing market, especially if you are buying or selling a home. So welcome, Doug Tig to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I am excited. Uh, I would say I was nervous until I I think a lot of times it just you have to hit reset on perspective. And so mm. thinking about, oh, man, why would I be the one being interviewed? But I think at the end of the day, you do look back and go, wow, God really has done some amazing things and he's taught me some stuff. So why not share it? You know, so I think that's kind of the what I'm excited about is I'm not really anything that special other than what God has done and used me in and some experiences that I would love to share. So. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I love yeah. that. So um, we, all, we actually all know each other. So we all have some history, but uh, just for the listeners, tell us just a little bit about your story, kind of, you know, not, you know, middle school, high school, but just kind of <laughs> like in general, like, you know, how did you get to where you are right now? Yeah. Well, I'm a born and raised native Houstonian. Uh, grew up in Southwest Houston and went off to Texas A&M University. Uh, I actually have a senior right now who is looking into trying to figure out where to go to school and all sorts of applications. <laughs> and, you know, the funny thing is I look at why I chose A&M, which obviously then set a course for my life. But I chose A&M because that was the only school I didn't have to write an essay for. So <laughs> I said, I'll go there. Don't know the traditions, don't know not to walk on the grass, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I was like, hey, I'm automatically in and I don't have to write an essay. I'll go there. But because I went to AM, I got really involved uh, in Young Life, uh, which is a, uh, a outreach ministry. And, and I would say that that really shaped uh, so much of my faith uh, journey is, is just getting involved in that. And then going on Young Life staff for 13 years and just heavily involved in loving kids and uh, being a part of different communities. You know, first place I went to was Paris, Texas. That's where Brooke and I got married and got to do ministry for a couple of years. And then, uh, which actually I met my wife, Brooke, through Young Life. So that was another big part of being involved in Young Life. Then we moved to Kingwood, did Young Life there, moved to Sugarland, Missouri City, to run Young Life Fort Bend. And then my last job with the ministry was starting Young Life College here in Houston. So so again, that's been the path of how I got here back to Houston. And then uh, real estate, which we'll talk about, was a transition uh, after going, okay, I think I'm done. Uh, and again, I think we'll kind of go into how I came to that realization of of finishing up and going, okay, what else do I do next? So that was, that's really how I came to here, being here and, and, and loving it here, raising a family. And so, yeah. How long have you been doing real estate? 
this is my sixth year doing oh, real estate. Yeah. Now, now, Sunshine, you were actually on staff with Young Life as well. That's how you you know Doug. And so, now when you came out to Fort Bend, were you still? Sunshine was on before me. Okay. Right. I think then you had transitioned off, and then I came in after her. There was a good amount of staff people here in Fort Bend mm-hmm. at that time, and then kind of shrunk, and then I came back in afterwards. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I know I always hear great stories about when she was on staff with with Young Life. So. Uh, she, matter of fact, on the way over here this morning, she was talking about um, the the great days um, at Young Life, and so that's actually where we met. I wasn't on staff, but we met there as well. So um, I always think one of the things that I think is interesting about your story was that uh, how you were doing vo- quote unquote vocational ministry. You know, your ministry, and then you kind of made a transition into you know the business world. I guess if you, mm-hmm. you could say that, and often, if you're, especially if you're in church world, you hear about people. I was doing X, Y, and Z business, and then God called me, and I left, I left my business and left everything behind, and I'm, I just went to pursue Him in, in, in ministry. But you kind of have the flip side, you know, of that, which is really interesting because sometimes people get caught up in that whole idea of like, well, I'm not on staff at a church, I'm not ministry. How can I kind of do something uh, for God? So I'd be curious. I guess maybe two questions I was thinking about was number one. What made you just decide to do Young Life in general? I mean, was that something that you felt like you, that you were always going to be doing or you kind of fell into? And then two, kind of talk a little bit about that transition from Young Life to, to real estate. Yeah, yeah, good questions. Uh, going to AM, starting off business, thinking, okay, I'll go get my business degree, go become semi-successful or something, at <laughs> least at least fulfill my, my parents' ex- expectations. They moved here from the Philippines. Um, you know, send their kids to college, expect their kids to go and go mm-hmm. get a good job and yeah. make a good living. And, and then they watch their son choose to go on Young Life staff and not make a lot of money. And <laughs> they were scratching their heads for 13 years going, what in the world are you doing? <laughs> but I knew, I knew my sophomore year in college, you know, one of the things I got to be a part of is after my sophomore year in college, I got to go and start a Young Life Club in Caldwell, Texas. And I just knew from that experience that, man, this is what I want to do. I think this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. And so when you go on vocational ministry staff, there hopefully is a sense of calling, right, to it. And that's what I felt God was going, hey, this is what, you know, I've gifted you with. Um so go do that. I'll take care of all the other stuff. You know, and one of the things I didn't even honestly think about was was the logistics of, man, can I raise a family on ministry staff? Can we buy a house? Can we I just was in some sense going, okay, if you've asked me to do this, I guess you'll take care of all the other stuff and but Brooke and I got married pretty quickly after I graduated from A&M and we moved to Parrish, Texas and I think you know, it's crazy. I didn't make a lot of money at all, but I, I never, we never went without. I mean, we paid the bills. We didn't have a whole lot, but I just don't think I really thought about it or cared because the, the, the relational side, mm-hmm. the caring about kids and watching God do amazing things and being a part of that, that was so fulfilling. And that was so rich that I didn't think about, oh man, I can't go pay for my kids to go, you know, for all of us to go on a ski trip or or go to the Bahamas or go, you know, go buy a new car. And I didn't really care, I guess, at that point. Wasn't 
too interested in all those other things because of the richness of life that we had. Oh, I love that. Can I ask you a quick question about Paris, Texas? <laughs> what you have to you have to explain the transition from like <laughs> living in Southwest Houston, growing up in Southwest Houston, and then working in Paris, Texas. Because I grew up in East Texas. And I know like little Texas towns. So what was that like for you as like newly married, working in ministry, a Filipino from Southwest, <laughs> uh, you know, Houston, going to Paris, Texas? Well, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I want to know. It had to have been really. It was, again, it's just a sense of calling, you know. I so part of it was I had loved volunteering as a Young Life leader in Navasota, Texas, when I was at A&M, gotcha. and then starting club in Caldwell, Texas, so smaller towns. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the idea of a community, a smaller community, where Brooke and I can go and be a part of, right. that, that was interesting, but it ended up becoming such a huge blessing of just sure. rich friends and a community and, and, and just that small town, mm -hmm. You know, yes, there are challenges of going, man, uh, we got to drive an hour and a half to Target you know? <laughs> <laughs> where there's really not a lot of restaurants. Right. But again, I think just hanging out with a community of kids and a community of, of adults and in a church community, yeah. um, that was rich, you know, and that yeah. was that's we still have some great friends mm -hmm. that we still go and hang out and visit in Parish, Texas, there, wow. where there is a Eiffel Tower. It it does have a red cowboy hat on it, but, but no, it, that. It, that was just a transition is yeah. you do an interview with Young Life and then they kind of go, hey, here's some different areas to consider. Um, and then you go interview with those different areas and it just was evident that that's where that's so we're cool. supposed to go. So yeah. that's cool. So um, it's interesting. I thought it was a good question, Daniel. You know, I, I think about going to like a small town. I grew up in Houston, suburb Houston, and I hear, and I think about going to a small town. I'm like, I don't know how I could survive if I went to a small town. You know, that is a definitely right. a different. Yeah, it was like a. Change. It was like exact opposite for me. It was like grew up small town and then big city, and I just remember being like, "This is." I mean, my like the church that we like go to is bigger than my town. <laughs> oh my wow, goodness. I mean, that's Houston for you. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. It's where it's wild. Anyway, continue on. Yeah. No, this is good. So as you were doing young life, you know, obviously there's a huge relational component. Uh, and was that something that you were just, obviously you seem like you're probably naturally just bent that way. I mean, that wasn't something you're like, Oh, I need to be kind of relational. That was just kind of just fell in. Like, this is a great fit. I, I look back at even growing up and realize God has gifted me with a very odd personality where, and, and I say this, you meaning <laughs> when I grew up in high school, I was the captain of my football team on homecoming court, best dressed, like, with, which is funny to me, but, but I was also friends with people who thought they were vampires and I was in choir and I was in theater and I had friends who, you know, were not the most popular kids. And I didn't think that that was abnormal. I, I was friends with Hispanic guys and black guys and Jewish guys. And, 
and and again, just growing up in Southwest Houston and kind of, mm-hmm. I think what God had implanted in me is just going, Hey, just care about people in general. And so I think young life became a natural fit because of that. Um, and then the transition into real estate, it's the same thing, just caring about people and, you know, ministry taught me a lot about real estate yeah. and really, or just business in general. You know, I mean, it's, if you do real estate, if you do vocational ministry well, then what I feel that means is you realize what is the job that's given to you. And because that is a job God gave you, you do it well, right? You become an expert at it. You become a uh, someone who studies the topics, the studies, the the ideas of, of you know, like for me, real estate. Do, do I know the city? Do I know the trends? Do I know the market? And, and I think that's because it's a God-given job to go, hey, go do this well. I'll take care of the big picture, but here are the details that I'm asking you to steward and, and be an expert at it, right? right? That's right. honoring to the Lord. Mm-hmm. So, so talk to us a little bit about that transition. Was that something that, again, I think a lot of people listening or either have been or in maybe even right now or know somebody in the middle of, of making a big transition, you know, so tell us a little bit about, was that something that was, Hey, it had been like two years, this was kind of brewing in me or was it just an all of a sudden thing? And then how was it? Why was it real estate? Yeah. Uh, I always had a mentor who said, you know, in anything you do, it's, it's like a, train stop. You don't want to get off too early and you you don't want to get off too late. You know, you've got to just really think through when, when to do that. And honestly, it can become over overwhelming and, and all encompassing. If say you're in vocational ministry or any other job and you're always thinking about, okay, am I supposed to go? Am I not? You know, that, then that becomes distracting. So what he would challenge me with is to say, Hey, you've, you get to think that way, but not all the time. You get to think that way. Find a time in your year, you know, and really focus on is God, is this the time to do that? So that it didn't become distracting. So it would be always January, December, January for me to go, is this the right time to do this? Right. I had started Young Life College here in Houston and I'm a starter, not really a maintainer. So I love starting new th- ministries and starting new things. And um, my, at that time, the regional director said, hey, Doug, thanks for starting U of H Young Life, HBU Young Life, A&M Galveston Young Life, Sam Houston Young Life. Now you can kind of just oversee them. And I thought, that's boring. Like, <laughs> right. I've started the ones that I can start. You know, TSU would have been the only other one but I felt like I'd done my job mm-hmm. and to just maintain it wouldn't be what God gifted me with, right? I would just mm-hmm. be existing in my job. So for me, personality-wise, through personality tests, all sorts of you know, mentors going, you always like to be challenged with something new, go do that, right? Um, but it was only after I felt like I had finished. So throughout conversations with my good buddy who has always been a big young life supporter in the area, he always said, Hey, Doug, you'd be great at real estate. And I kind of questioned him and he said, well, you actually care about people and not about money. So you'd be better at real estate than more than half of the people because all they care about is money. So 
we would kind of just keep having these conversations and and eventually he got to a place where he was so busy he said my wife wants to kill me my kids <laughs> want to kill me and i need help so i'd really encourage you to if you are ready to jump then then join me and so that was the that was the time to go okay it was 2014 around uh kind of around this time i started taking my classes and got license and i think it was around april's when i got started so it, it was it's definitely been a jump so it's you know to go from i laugh because to go from a job in young life where you're not making a lot of money at all to a hundred percent commission job <laughs> it actually took in my mind actually more faith to move from a ministry job Again, even though I wasn't making money, I kind of knew what I was going to be making mm -hmm. to now a job where God was going, now trust me. Yeah. 100% wow. commission. Yeah. You haven't done this before, but take the leap. Wow. And I was pretty uh, nervous about uh, it. I think it's, you know, I have uh, somewhat of a similar story where I kind of did the similar thing than you. Of course, God brought me back, you know, uh, to what I'm doing. But it's interesting how people think of in ministry, it's about faith. You know, you really got to trust God. But in business, you got to trust God a whole lot. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, yeah. especially when you're really trusting him on just 100 percent commission. Yeah. It's it's a lot of faith. Yeah, absolutely. I like how, Doug, how you were talking, just how your, the, your mentor, who sounds very wise, and you're very wise for listening to him, because I think sometimes people, when they're, when they're th considering making a change, they kind of considered too much and he compared mm -hmm. it to a train uh, stop, you yeah. know, and they, they consider it throughout the year and him giving you that designated time, you know, December, January, you know, you probably picked it, but I'm from December, January is kind of where I'm going to chew on this. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to talk to my wife or, you know, my friends that I trust is, is this the time for me to make a change? And then it's like, okay, I got that out of my system. I know the direction I'm supposed to go. And you can focus on the things that you need mm -hmm. to focus on without it being a distraction. Because if not, it's almost like you can't get rooted. You can't get right, planted. Right. And then I think it's also um, really neat when you're when you wanted to make that change is to take into the consideration, what am I good at? You said, I'm not a maintainer. I'm a builder. Yeah. And, and kind of seeing that they wanted to maybe move you into a position where they wanted you to maintain your personality would have died in that. And mm -hmm. so I think that was really wise to to listen to your mentor and then to take into consideration your your skills and the way you're wired. Yeah. It was also a time in my life where, you know, I had kids that were growing up. They were actually really starting to get really good at gymnastics. And then my wife and I both kind of realized, I think we're supposed to just be here and minister to folks in this area and care about people here in the area and you know i had other young life jobs calling and and even some church jobs and and i again i just felt no i i think this is what i'm supposed to do and i do remember my my first year i felt like god was teaching me hey your identity is in me mm -hmm. not in being the old ministry guy or being the chaplain yeah. guy or being, you know, I mean, that was a, you know, it's, it's interesting. What I've learned is, is when you're in vocational ministry, you're esteemed and you're trusted. Right. right. Um, and so I think some people kind of get a little high on that or just this, oh, sure. you know, pat on the back in some sense. And then 
I remember my first few years, God going, no, 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 you're, you're my guy. You're not the ministry guy. You're just be mine. And so that was, that was the first few major lessons I learned from taking that jump into real estate, into biz, into the business world. The other thing I learned is, man, when you're, you're involved in ministry, you're surrounded by probably the, even though there's always crazy things in ministry, but you really are surrounding yourself with some of the best adults and and getting to really care about kids if you're doing, you know, teenage or kid stuff. Mm -hmm. And then when you jump into the business world, you realize, oh, yeah, there's some crazy people out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's some Values selfish people. There's some sinful people. There's some, you know, it, it, not that you know. Again, we're all sinful, but there are some really tough, right. worldly. I guess is maybe the better word. Things out there, and so. Mm-hmm. So how do you stay? How do you stay rooted in that? Oh man, well, when you learn to uh, come back to it, when you when you lose yourself that is one of the things you you start to be aware of because it is easy uh, to get lost. And that was sadly a experience that I had of becoming successful, getting pats on the back, um, my broker. So I'm a part of Remax Fine Properties. It's the largest Remax office in the country when it comes to broker accounts and being successful and having the highest production and when you're one of the top guys, you know, really my partner and I, Steven, we were always ranked pretty high and we were ranked pretty high in Houston. And, and even in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, that doesn't matter. But when you start to get pats on the back and then you want to get those praise and you start to focus on that, it's easy to get distracted. And then you start going down a, a a path of, of going, man, what, oh, wait, that's not what is important to me. But again, for me in real estate, it's, it's different things, you know, it's, but I think in the same, in same realm in business, it could be the same things, which at the end of the day, it's, it's pride, it's ego, Mm -hmm. it's control, you know, it's, it's the same things. It's all the same, um, temptations, Mm -hmm. but just in different directions when uh, when it comes to business right and so sadly it did happen i mean i i honestly got so full of myself that my wife looked at me one day and said hey she used a couple interesting words (laughs) uh i love you this is not the person god had when we were married and so you better get your stuff together mm-hmm. and it was a wake up i mean it was a huge like oh you know and and, that, and crazy thing is is i immediately called some of my old young life mm-hmm. friends and mm-hmm. mentors and said would you guys pray because uh man i you know kind of stepping back on i have mm-hmm. i have been full of myself i have been patting myself on the back. I have been chasing after all these accolades and, you know, I just think you kind of get blinded by it if you're not checking yourself. Yeah. And so sadly, what I've started to actually get is the reality that you can go down that path of losing yourself. So that's number one, because I think so many times you think, oh, I would never go 
that far off or I wouldn't, you know, oh, you know, it's, I'm still doing this job and, you know, you tell yourself these things. So number one for me was going, no, I can go down that road. I can become materialistic. I can care about accolades and awards, you know, way more than I should. And then two is I finally realized, oh, I need my guys back around me. I need to have these guys holding me accountable, you know, and, and then being intentional about being kingdom minded, you know? So I think for me, those are the things that I've kind of quickly realized to get back on track is, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? It's like that one movie with Tom Cruise. What's it called? Is it The Firm? Jerry Maguire? No, 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 no. Is it The Firm? You complete Where he gets, me. He moves from like, he gets like all the accolades at work and then he ends up being basically seduced into the worldly things and then his wife's like, something's wrong. You know, this isn't right. Oh, yeah. Uh, the firm, yeah. Is it The Firm? Is yeah, it the it's firm? firm. Yeah, it's like, it's so easy mm-hmm. as people. It's like, yeah, it's, it feels good to, to have a pat on the back. It feels good right. to... And when you're when you've made a big change in your life and you're like, this is this is really nice. And then it's like, yeah, you have to get back to who you are. Like you said, get how do you stay rooted in that? And I think at the end of the movie, don't they kind of move? But then he gets tempted again. <laughs> it's like, man. <laughs> yeah, but it's true. I mean, and I, you know, I, I have a very similar story as well, mm-hmm. you know, on, on kind of my path. And so, um, you know, no one's immune to it. No one's immune. No one's mm-hmm. immune to it. And so, you know, I thought it was interesting. You mentioned about a time that you had, I guess, I don't know, was it your Facebook page where you're just posting a lot of stuff on business, but then you realized that you kind of needed to separate those two? Because uh, that's kind of what you're, that time period, what you're kind of explaining. Yeah, I, <laughs> you know, for one of the things that I see is I did want to separate the two in some sense, just because, I, you know, personally, I don't want to just always be posting about uh, real estate stuff. So if you were to go really to my personal Facebook page, you'd see a lot of barbecue, a lot of gymnastics, you know, a lot of family stuff, and then some real estate stuff, right? I mean, I, I do like to promote the real estate stuff more so from the stories of the transaction. And then business-wise, you know, I'm realizing, man, not everyone people are going to ask three questions when it comes to you as a realtor, right? They're going to ask, do I like you? Do you have time for me? And do you know what you're talking about? Those are the three questions that, that a client is always going to wonder for, you know, for me, for real estate, for other people, you know, other business, you know, ventures, it's the same three questions. Do you know what you're talking about? Do I like you? Do you have time for me? I wanted to, in my business page, present that but also present other businesses and promote, you know, other people and share stories. And I just think as a, that, that was the other part of just going as, as a realtor, as a Christian realtor, this is a, a platform. A it's, it's also to do things with excellence. And then at the end of the day, people go, okay, I may check him out, may use him. Let me Google him and see what's what you know, what he's about. So, you know, those are the things that I kind of wanted. What I'll normally post on the business page is just a transaction, you know, and then on the personal page, I'll share it and talk about the story of who these people were and 
that kind of stuff. You know, oh, this was an old Young Life kid who I also got to mentor and then got to do pre-marriage counseling with and actually got to marry. Then now I helped them buy a house. Right. So that's kind of a fun. I like your social media yeah. because I do. I love the stories it, in you post about that. And I remember seeing that one. Yeah. Stories catch you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, stories matter. I mean, we talk about that um, a lot here. Stories, the significance of stories and how stories really change people. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. part of what we're doing here on the show is really, you know, sharing stories of, of people and hearing about stories about what God is doing around the world. And I think, you know, people hearing you post stories of people, I'm sure that that is what attracts them to you for if they're looking for a home, like, hey, this guy's mm-hmm. just not about a house. Right. Right. He's you know, on the guy's... up and up. He cares about these people and you picture what the life will be like for those people and Doug cooking out with him there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, on your, your, your Remax uh, site, you had a, a mission statement and the mission statement is to glorify God by putting my client's interest above my own and providing the highest level of honesty and expertise. It's a great mission statement, but how important do you think it is for people to have that kind of mission in minded? And then maybe secondly, you're not meeting people and immediately communicating to them. This is my mission. You know I mean? How does mm-hmm. that, how important do you think it is to have for people to have that mission, not just in, in business, but just kind of in, in life. Like here's what, you know, I should be doing. And then, you know, how does that look like yeah. as you're working with clients? Well, I mean, a mission statement is, is only as important as how much you want to imp- implement it right i mean i could write that down and put it on my card and if i don't (laughs) actually think about it and focus on it and meditate on it then it's just words right so if one of the things too that i've actually really started to pray about is starting and bringing on new agents under me so if that's my mission statement that is going to also be how i expect my agents to represent tig tig real estate right? Tig Tig Realty. That's also a reminder to stay focused on what really matters, right? I mean, because again, at the end of the day, you can get sucked into so many other things that if you are trying to glorify the Lord in everything that you do, and, and honestly, even talking to clients that I know aren't believers, I still talk about God and God's timing and, and knowing that, you know, things will be worked out at the right time. So I still present those those kind of verbiage to to them just so they, they know who I am and what I'm about. Now, obviously, I have to be respectful that they may not believe the same things that I do, but but I'm not afraid to go, man, I, yeah, I really believe if God is behind it, then it's all going to work out and the timing is going to be right. But it's my job, again, mission statement, it's my job to be an expertise of this area, this neighborhood, mm-hmm. the process the details and and get the offer in written in qu- quickly and 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 clean and send it over you know and so it is it's it's just a reminder to stay focused on what actually matters mm-hmm. that's good that's good so you found that people don't care as much about what you believe as much as who you are oh yeah you know right? yeah i mean they want you to know the housing market for sure <laughs> yeah you know but uh just the way you treat them yeah, some of my first clients I met and I would say certain things like that and and they they actually started to share a little bit about where they are in their faith journey and um again, respectfully and and just 
caring about them and getting them into a house and all that kind of stuff, it built a relationship to where two years down the road, they called me and said, hey, Doug, would you marry us? And I thought, yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> um, you know, and so it's those kind of deals where you just, you're just authentic or you're authentic with them, but you're also authentic with who you are, of who God has called you to be. And again, you, you are respectful to some folks who are not believers and they, you know, they may not want to hear it or, but I'm, you know, not necessarily going to shove it down their throat, but I'm also not going to be afraid to, to say, man, I, I really am excited that God has given you guys this awesome house. So, you know, yeah. stuff like that. I think the great thing about real estate too, is that you're really using the foundations of relational ministry to build relationships with clients. Right. And it's not about the house per se. It's about the relationship that you're building with them. And oftentimes people aren't used to that sort of investment. Right. You know, people are used like in the real estate field, people sort of think, oh, they're working off commission. You know, they don't really care. There's, you know, in for the money. But I think that you've shown through like your whole time in, in real estate that the relationships that you're building are the important part. Right. And it just it's a mirror of the ministry you yeah. started from the very beginning. Yeah. You know? I mean, and, and again, you guys all know this, that I think ministry has trained you to – I mean, especially in young life, it trains you to win the right to be heard, mm. care about people, present the gospel to them, whether they ever accept it or not. Right. And so same thing, it just translates right. a lot of times into business. And then in my world, real estate to go, man, I'm going to win the right to be heard and to be trusted and to show them that I care about them. I'm going to win that, you know, by my actions. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to care about them and show them houses and present to them what's what I think is best, you know, and what, what I think is best for them. Not, not for me. Um, meaning I'm, I'll show you a bunch of houses and if it's not the right house, I'm not going to push you into the right house or, Hey, let's put your house in the market. And if we need to take it off because it didn't sell or, you know, the offer, if it wasn't the right timing, I had a, I had a friend who was a pastor or is a pastor and we put his house in the market and because he thought he was going to get a job mm. or is looking for a job outside of Houston, my prayer was he didn't have to sell it because he would get a job in Houston. And after a few months on the market, he ended up getting a job in Houston. And another church called him and said, hey, we, you know, we really want you to come be a part of what we're doing. And so I happily took the house off the market. And then the crazy thing is, is we ended up selling it a year later and they found another house in the neighborhood that they, they really loved. I mean, same, yeah. same thing for you guys. I mean, yeah, I remember right. running around with you guys a year before we ended up buying <laughs> the soggy boots farm, right? Looking at pretty terrible looking property yeah. going, <laughs> right. You know, like, ah. let's not shove a square peg through a round hole. That's, right. that's to me is what I, is my litmus test of a, I kind of bring it to the Lord of going, man, are we sensing shoving a square peg in a round hole yeah. when it comes to is this the right house or is this the right timing and then whenever it is the right thing it is it just fits right. and it all kind of comes together but all again a lot of it is my job is doing what i need to do 
sometimes quickly, sometimes with using my gifts, which I think God has given me a gift of schmoozing. So I'll schmooze mm. the other realtor, I'll schmooze the <laughs> seller. I mean, whatever I need to do, you know, to kind of just get get in front, right. you know, get get my clients offer to be really looked at. So I, I think that's powerful because I think that you having made a big transition in your life, your job is a lot about walking with people mm -hmm. through major transitions oh, in man. their life. Counseling. You know? right. yeah, I mean, <laughs> utilizing my counseling gifts to talk either A, people off the ledge, right. B, married couples from killing themselves, <laughs> building a brand new house together, uh, or, you know, just kind of calming folks down of kind of staying focused on the goal. You know. So you, you mentioned about being authentic and I know that, you know, that's kind of a buzzword, you know, even in ministry, we want to be authentic and, yeah. you know, you want to be real in, in the, in the business world. But what does that really look like when, when we talk about authenticity and also do you find that that's common or not common among people you know, in, in the business world or people that you've interacted with? You know, sadly, I, I don't think it's common because even in full-time ministry and especially real estate and in the business world, we're so comparative, right? And so what I mean by that is you look at something and you go, oh man, that person's successful. Let me go do that. And then not that that's bad, but if that's not how you're naturally wired or gifted, then I do think sometimes you end up doing things that aren't necessarily authentic to you, to who you are, yeah. right? And so the other, you know, the other part is, is what I see a lot of times, obviously is the marketing side. Then obviously you, you want to get your business out there. And so there's always this angle or there's always something, which again, isn't necessarily terrible. I mean, that's marketing, but when you're doing it. Yeah. The intent behind with it. With the, is yeah. You know, and so are you really doing this nice gesture and then posting it because you mm. are happy about it or are you really doing it because, you know, again, so not that that's, that's not necessarily terrible, but I, when it comes to authenticity, mm -hmm. I don't think that that's the most authentic way of going about it. And then again, at the end of the day, when you're so comparative, that you're doing things that aren't necessarily how you're wired and gifted, then I do think it lacks some authenticity. You know, I, I always encourage young agents, hey, what are, you, what are you good at? You know, or find out what you're good at and then go do that well. There's so many different ways right. to do real estate. I mean, there's yeah. there are online leads. There are folks who are more referral-based. There's people who, you know, have built kind of this, this system of kind of getting your name out there differently, marketing, you know, again, if you're good at Facebook, getting up in front of people and, and doing videos, well, keep good doing that well. If you're great at open houses, man, go do that and do that really well, right? But what I, what fried I see- Fried sandwich challenges. The fried sandwiches that you're eating? Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, mean, I, I love eating food. I still, so, I still think about it. So I, I'll go FaceTime live myself eating right. and giving a review of what is out there. Oh, but it's it just, was Wendy's. Was that, it the Wendy's fried chicken? That one was Churches. Oh, Churches. No, not Churches. Uh, uh, Whataburger? 
KFC or some. It was somebody. <laughs> somebody. But I think that's what it means. Authenticity meaning, hey, just go do what you're wired, do it well, but then yeah. also not have necessarily this angle behind it. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, you think about authenticity. At least I think maybe people typically would think just being real to you know you're not being pretentious, you're not trying to be something that you're not, but you really kind of honed in on on actually being authentic in terms of of, of what you do. You know mm-hmm. that you're doing something that is in line with a passion or with a giftness, and there's authenticity in that. And I think a lot of you know whether a stay at home mom, a stay at home dad, or you know business person, doctor, whoever it's. It's, it's living out of that authentic you, yes. who you are, not just being, Hey, I'm, I'm going to be honest, but Hey, I want to be authentic in terms of how God made me. And I want to live out of that authenticity. Right. I think it's powerful when people come in contact with others that they're truly doing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I, that's what I've learned in that when you're asking about authenticity, yes, we can talk about just being authentic and being true. But I think when it comes to business world and real estate world, that's the main lesson that, that I've learned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, is your work aligning with the will of God? Mm-hmm. You know, cause you may be gifted at something, but he doesn't want you to do that right now. You know, he may ha- be pushing you to do something else that you know that you're good at, but you really don't want to do, hmm. you know? So well, one of the things about where I'm at now is, is creating a team. And I would say two years, three years ago, it would have been all about Doug Tig Tig. And I had this aha moment where I'm thinking, I don't want to start a team. Recently, I'm going, I wouldn't want to start a team because it's all about the team leader and, and, and kind of being the head of the team and that's the market, you know, until God went, no, 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 no. If I ask you to start a team, it would be for you to help this person get to where they need to be to take care of their family, to pay off their school debt or to, you know, it's not about you. If I ask you to start a team, it's to help this new agent Mm -hmm. get to a place Mm -hmm. that they can take care of their family. They can be financially more free, you know? And so I went, Oh, that makes sense. I think I'll uh, look into that. That's so good, Doug, because if you think about when you're transitioning into growth, right, there's always a transition whether you're going to grow or you're going to stay stagnant. And if you're going to grow, you have to think about what are my motives? And and then because Mm. sometimes our motives, if they're not pure and good, they can get us into starting something we weren't supposed to start. or We were good at it, but we started in the wrong season. And um, I just, I like that, the thought of, really thinking about why am I doing this? Because you want to do it out of a servant heart. I want to have people working with me and that I can invest in, that I can help them be the best at what they're doing, not so I can like, look at my team, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think it's helpful. When I went into the financial services industry, I knew I wanted to invest in people. Like I, I, That's what I did in ministry, and so I wanted to and that was very helpful for me to kind of hone in what I wanted to do is, mm-hmm. is I knew that's what I, I had to do something mm-hmm. that, that was related to that. And I think I, re, I really appreciated you sharing that about that authenticity because I think sometimes people don't think that way when they hear authenticity. They yeah. think about more like you being tell honest the truth. Or, you know, yeah. 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 Which is good. Yeah, <laughs> we, that's, we, we right. that's always you know? positive. <laughs> that's a good thing. So, um, so you, you know, I've heard you talk about the platform 
you know, that you have in, in real estate. And obviously you had a platform, you know, in ministry, but you know, what do you mean when you say you, you have a platform? I realize that, and again, it keeps going back to how God has wired you and the things that he's gifted you with. So it kind of ties into that. And then you, you go, wow, I, I just know a lot of people. Um, and so how can I be intentional about utilizing that? And, and for how, I mean, for, you know, one of the things that I just did was it yesterday or two days ago, two days ago. Oh no, yesterday I went by birdhouse coffee, which is in the, in the neighborhood. I love their coffee. I look around, it's empty. And I'm thinking, man, COVID has really hit them, hit them hard. And honestly, it's some of the best coffee in the, in the area. So why don't I, I mean, I know a lot of folks and I feel like I'm kind of entrusted in the neighborhood. So I just promoted them and say, Hey, I'm here's a hundred bucks. I'm going to leave a hundred dollar gift card at, at birdhouse, go by there, say hi to Justin, tell him, you know, this coffee's on Tig Tig. And, and again, I didn't want it to promote my business. I didn't want to tell them, Oh, tell them it's Tig Tig Realty. No, I wanted them to just a go try it B because I'm a coffee snob. And I know that that's some of the best coffee in the area. B it's, it's kind of empty right now, just because, again, because of COVID. And then I, again, to me, I'm going, man, this is a platform that I have. If I write this in the neighborhood, I know that I can get folks out there and go, oh, okay. You know, we know Tig and mm -hmm. he says, go try it. So we'll go try it, you know? So I think, you know, when it comes to platform, it's just realizing what you have and realizing you do have a platform. Maybe yeah. it's, you have that you know, influence. You, you have a sphere of influence mm -hmm. somewhere, you know, with, with friends or with people. And if not, then go create one, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I think it's real important. Sometimes people think platform and think that it, it's about a position. I, I've got to be in a position, a certain position for that platform. Certainly people are in, are in positions, but like I've heard you, Danielle talk and sunshine as well. Just the platform you have as a mom, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and what that means in the influence, you know, that you have uh, on your kids as a mom. And so I think we all have a platform no matter where, where it's at in our yeah. life, but God has given us influence. So I mean, it's the parable of the talents. It's going, mm -hmm. Hey, don't bury that. Right. Go right. multiply it, go use it. And I, I remember in high school reading that story going, well, what was wrong with burying it? That, that was a smart guy. Yeah, save it for later. Come Why? on. He didn't Why lose anything. <laughs> Why is he getting in trouble? He didn't lose it. <laughs> exactly. And that's that's a good parable. Like when you know you were talking earlier about that that month of December to January where you stop and evaluate where you're at in life and if you need to make a change is almost kind of asking yourself in that parable mindset, am I still multiplying what God's given mm. me or am I kind of starting now to be complacent or even worse, like hide it? Yeah. Um, so that's a good parable to to take stock in is I kind of curious about that. Um, when, and maybe that's backtracking a little bit, but just briefly, I guess when you're looking at making a transition, cause I know some of our listeners, especially with COVID coming up, they are having to make some shifts. They're having to make transitions. And, um, I would probably say the job market's not super great right now. What are some of the questions in that time period that you're reevaluating where you're at, that you ask yourself, mm -hmm. um, to kind of help you figure out where you, 
where you you need to change it or even if you need to, you know, make a change. Yeah. I think a lot of it for a lot of folks, it's timing, mm-hmm. right? So some, I know, I know quite a few folks going, Hey, I've got this job offer or I've got this job, but I'm also looking to change. I get a lot of phone calls from whether they're in ministry or just in general going, Hey, I'm thinking about doing real estate. So I was safe. Well, go take the classes. And you know, if you like it, then think through, is this something that I really want to do? And then when do you transition if you want to transition, right? If you do want to, so it's, I think some of it is doing the research and understanding what are the options, but then also going, when is the right time to actually make a move? Right. And so a lot of it's, it's a lot of it is the same thing on houses. You know, I've got tons of friends going, Hey, I think I want to sell my house, but, but when, if I were to buy this next house, what, you know, when do we need to do? So I tell them, Hey, let me come by. I'll look at your house, figure out what you need to do to get things ready. Mm-hmm. Once we're ready, then we can start looking, right? So it's all by steps. Because mm-hmm. if you are focused on down the road, but you haven't done the stuff that you need to do in the front end, then really you're just kind of driving yourself crazy. You know, a lot of people sit on HAR all day when you're at work, which I know people do, (laughs) and just look at houses. Mm -hmm. And so they see a house that they love. I literally got a text message on the way here from clients going, hey, I want to go see this house. We got to go see it right now. And I'm going, I just left your house (laughs) and you still have a lot to do. So again, you know, it's just, it's, it's doing what you need to do on this side, on the front end, in order to know when to jump, right? So you mentioned uh, about the, you know, helping clients as they're, they're selling their home or, or possibly buying a home. So talk to us about, you know, your experience working with people, selling, buying homes. What are some of the mistakes that you've seen people make and that they could avoid from making those mistakes? Yeah, a lot of people will jump out ahead, right? And so they'll wanna go start looking at houses and they don't know what they're approved for, or they haven't figured out, you know, am I looking out of my price range? Am I falling in love with stuff? Or, I mean, I had this one client that kept sending me houses and I kept asking them, hey, are schools important to you? And is safety important to you? Because the houses (laughs) you keep sending me, those aren't fitting in that criteria. Um, And so a lot of it is just trying to narrow it down to what is important to you. Right. Mm-hmm. And what is your criteria? But let's do the work on the front end, meaning, hey, go get a pre-approval and then talk to your spouse or figure out for yourself what is your budget? Because a lot of people will kind of get themselves in trouble by buying way too much of a house. Just because you're approved for something does doesn't mean you need to mm-hmm. buy all the way up to that. Mm-hmm. You know, I keep thinking, hey, now that you bought this house. I guess you're just going to eat ramen noodles all day right. because I don't know. <laughs> You'll never go on a vacation House again. I don't know what yep. you're going to do, right? Or, and honestly, right now with interest rates being so low, mm-hmm. it actually is the opposite, you know, where I've had my younger brother actually is buying a house, but he's like just as cheap as I am going, oh, this is my budget. And I said, well, okay. Not that I want you just to go buy a more expensive house, but why don't you talk to the lender, figure out where your numbers are, talk to your wife, figure out what you guys are comfortable with. And then because interest rates are so low, 
maybe it moves you to a place where you go, oh my gosh, I can actually afford mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. That actually happened with us. We just bought a house. And again, being so cheap, I was going, no way. I'm not, we're not looking at that price range. There's no way. But after kind of, again, doing the front end work of going, okay, here's how much I would sell our house for. We'd walk away with putting it down, interest rates. Mm -hmm. Oh, mm -hmm. that actually is right in line with what I thought I could survive with. Right. And so we ended up buying the house that, that God has crazy blessed us with and it fits right in the budget. So so I think those are some of the things is not to jump way ahead or, or, you know, when you have someone guide you in that, that's the other thing is to actually have a real estate agent who will guide you through the process versus kind of just show up at the end and, and go, yeah, hey, good that's, luck. That's definitely something I appreciated with you is that you did the exact same thing. Like, okay, this is where you need to start. Buy Chris some whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> and then like continue on don't start looking at stuff you know ahead of time like there is the process and i appreciated that so much because i would be the one to be like but look at this house it's so fantastic because <laughs> it can be it's an emotional for experience. sure yeah. for sure for sure because they actually ended up selling their house with another company but because i really only care about what's best for them i looked at that and went Oh, that yeah. Do it. Yeah, yeah. Versus, yeah. you know, obviously I could have sold their house too, but there's fees and all sorts of other stuff. But again, yeah. really looking at that going, hey, I think that company's way overpaying, by right. the way. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're making a mistake. But so jump on it. Jump on it. So and it allowed us to go find this yeah, amazing yeah, yeah. property. For so sure. what would you what would you suggest people look for in a realtor? Uh those three things. Do I like you? Do you have time for me? And do you know what you're talking about? Mm -hmm. So do you know what you're talking about is the, is the main thing to, that I think you really look for in a realtor, right? So there's some realtors who are really great at focusing on a specific area that's great. There's some realtors who are amazing at listings. So if you just need a listing and it's a high-end listing, then finding that person too, right? Um, what I love offering is if you were to throw a dart at a map of Houston, I guarantee you I've sold a house in that area. It is bizarre, but I love Houston. I love knowing Houston. I know pretty much every corner I've sold or showed houses and bought houses or leased houses, mm -hmm. literally in every corner of Houston. It's so as a lot of folks move to Houston, they go, oh, hey, this is kind of what's important to me. This is where I work. This is where I'd be driving every day. Then I go, man, here's three areas let's go look in these areas you then we can narrow it down to which area you really felt best at you know that that you really like the area the house the neighborhood what's important to you is is what we we figure out and narrow it down to so so last question i have for you with covid going on right now you did mention interest rates were low so what suggestions or advice would you have for people right now that are considering buying or selling in the midst of COVID and obviously the interest rates are good. I mean, what, what advice would you have for those people? What is so crazy is, is real estate has not slowed down. I mean, it's kind of been, it's kind of been the thing that has helped people get people through COVID, you know, wow. um, you have to be careful. I mean, I would, I show houses in a mask and I'm 
if especially if it's if if it's a house that is occupied, then I'm wearing gloves and I am wiping things down with Clorox wipes. So you have to be careful in that sense. But interest rates are so low that people are out looking to buy, but there's just not a lot out there to sell. So I put my younger brother's house on the market in Spring, Texas. And we had 20 offers in two days. I put a house wow. on the market in Quell Valley and we had three offers in one day, you know, and, and actually we had showings like an hour after I put the house on the market. I mean, it was, it's bizarre. So right now, if you are looking to buy a house, but you need to sell your house, right? So that's a lot of our clients here in the area, then it's doing the work on your house now mm -hmm. to get it ready and I always suggest around spring break to kind of, especially now, start working on your house, get your house ready around spring break, get it on the market. But having gone around and looked at the areas that you'd want to look at and kind of hoping that there's a house to go buy. Because a lot of times, unless you can buy a house non-contingent on selling your house, then that's the work you have to do. A lot of times, you know, uh, to be able to buy a house and not need to sell your house right away, that helps. Um, a lot of folks are moving in from California, so they're buying up houses by cash. Is there a, a shortage in houses? I read some article that said yes. by like in two or three months, there will be the houses. Yeah, the, the national, you know, buyer-seller market even is usually at about six months of inventory. We are down in Houston to, I want to say like, two meaning well, it would take two months to sell off everything right i mean obviously that's not gonna happen because more houses go on the market but that shows you how you know it's it's a seller's market and you know for it, what's also interesting is just yes there's been so many folks affected by covid with their jobs but obviously there's still a whole lot of working people and people moving into houston that so Really, what I would say is easiest is to look at selling your house and then going and buying a brand new house. So a brand new house, no one's lived in it. It's clean. It's, you know, pretty much COVID free. Not that, you know, all these resales are just going to have a bunch of COVID everywhere, but uh, in the people's mindset, it's just easier. It's cleaner. It's safer. It's, it's just no one's lived here before. And then timing wise, you can kind of, you can map out selling your house and building or buying a newer home a little bit easier. That's really good advice. Well, hey, thanks for being on our, our show today, Tethered. And a couple of things I, I'll, you know, I've appreciated and, and, and learned about was just that life transitions going through that and really that authenticity, being authentic no matter where you're at, but really in what you do, not just trying to be an authentic person, but really in what you do. And also... What was the name of the coffee shop? Birdhouse Coffee. Yeah. Bird, Birdhouse Coffee. Okay, so all of you listening, be sure to check out Birdhouse Coffee. Tell them Doug sent you. So um, go check out the coffee house. And then how do people find you if they're looking for a realtor? Maybe even that they had a question, where would they go? Yeah, you can shoot me an email at Doug at TigTigRealty.com or uh, shoot me a text or call 832-233-2088. Or just look up Doug Tig Tig, uh, H-A-R, or Realtor, or, you know, I'll pop up somewhere. 
Very cool. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. It's been great. Uh, and again, thank you so much, Doug, for being on the show. Be sure to hit the subscribe button to get all the latest content. And everyone, take care and God bless. <laughs>